So, Year 11s, I am recording a podcast, the very first podcast, on the topic of Stuzzyland and 1984. So, in this first podcast, I'm going to be giving you a little bit of background information, which should be a bit of revision for you, but there might be some interesting vocabulary that you might like to write down and include in some of your responses later on. So first of all, we're going to be talking about exploring the notion that George Orwell's 1984 is quite relevant to us today, as well as funders uh, Stuzzyland. So in a world where we value our right to freedom of speech, thought, movement and privacy, the Oceana, created by Orwell, and life behind the Berlin Wall, which is retold to us by Funder, are the stuff of nightmares. Reading about fake news, swallowed whole by the undiscerning masses, or watching waves of migrants blocked from entering a new country, or CCTV increasing in number around our cities, we begin to feel the ugly threat of these worlds impinging, ready to invade on our own world. We are obsessed with knowledge and with the truth of knowing what information governments have leaked and to whom, because we imagine that having the knowledge of the truth will keep us protected from the likes of dictators that we have seen throughout history and who even threaten our freedoms today. So the vision of a world where thinking is not possible, where it might even be considered a crime, as you'll see with Winston in 1984, and where vocabulary is reduced to make expression of individuality impossible, is despicable to us and something we fear. Orwell's fictional world of Oceana is depressing and claustrophobic, an extreme warning to us to avoid abrogating our responsibilities as democratic citizens to cruel dictators who desire power above all. And that's one of the themes that we're going to keep revisiting, this idea that those who were ruling Oceana really were obsessed with power for power, not for their concern for humanity at all. Funder 2 reminds us of a period of history that was in danger of being swept under the carpet. Her retelling of life under the GDR, under the Stasi, is real and very frightening. While Orwell's warning to us is constructed through his extreme fictional world, Funder's exploration uh, teaches us that we must deal with history, we can't just forget it. And she tells us this story through the eyes of real people who experienced life behind the wall. They are both scary reminders to hold on to our democratic rights and, if need be, fight for them. As citizens, we must think, we must hold our leaders to account and we must be active. If we have a look at Funder's opening, she invites us into a country that is a relatively new unified Germany that is struggling with the embarrassment of its East German past 
and the atrocities that have taken place in the name of democratic socialism. East Germany's shameful history began at the end of World War II when the Allies wanted to ensure that, after the horrors of Hitler's Third Reich, Germany would never pose a threat again. In the 1945 Potsdam Agreement, the four Allied countries split Germany physically and ideologically. Whilst Germany was split into American, British, Soviet and French zones, the city of Berlin, which was technically under Soviet control, was also split with the Soviets taking over the eastern part of the city. While West Germany came to stand for freedom, democracy and capitalism, in 1949 East Germany became a satellite state of the Soviet Union and the German Democratic Republic was established. That's from a quote from page 161 of Stasiland. While Stalin dismantled East German industry and shipped it back to the Soviet Union as a form of reparation, the citizens of East Germany, this is a quote from page 161, had to switch from being, rhetorically at the very least, Nazis one day to being communists and brothers with their former enemies the next. Overnight, the East's Nazi history was revised with the evidence of East Berlin's Nazi past and associations of violence and brutality buried like Hitler's bunker beneath the surface of what was now a communist state. Similarly, when Anna revisits in 1996, the streets were being renamed in a massive act of ideological redecoration. And that's from page 52. The swinging back and forth between different ideology creates or ideologies creates the feeling of horror romance that Funda neologizes. She makes this new word, horror romance. And her quote from page four, the romance comes from the dream of a better world the German communists wanted to build out of the ashes of their Nazi past. The horror comes from what they did in its name. This mixture of guilt, suppression of memory and desire to move forward is what Funder explores in her collection of stories. She notes their indecision whether to remember or forget which is healthier to demolish it or fence it off, to dig it up or leave it lie in the ground, from page 52. Funder's exploration of the history of the GDR, the German Democratic Republic, helps to explain the cost of this socialist experiment that emerged from World War II. On the morning of the 13th of August, Berliners woke up to the construction of the wall, which cut streets in half, severed train routes and divided families and neighbours. At first, buildings along the border of the wall were used as windows, escape routes to the west. Many jumped to their freedom or to their deaths, shot at by the gunmen perched in the watchtowers that fortified the boundary of the wall, which was patrolled by dogs and booby traps. Eventually, the windows were cemented up 
and escape was denied, illegal or fatal. While the wall literally imprisoned the population, it was a physical manifestation of the control the GDR had over its citizens. Fueled by the propaganda of the Cold War, quote, the GDR was like a religion, from page 157, to which its citizens were raised to be faithful. It was constructed on the foundations of repression, demanding the absolute loyalty of its citizens on pain of punishment that would be doled out, quote, simply for lack of belief or even suspected lack of belief, from page 157. This analogy of the GDR being like a religion, in light of our discussion in class about the expectation from those in power that everyone shows complete loyalty to the state is a really interesting concept that we will continue to discuss further. But it does raise the question about people in power wanting power for its own end rather than for the welfare of its citizens. Thank you for listening and I will continue our exploration of Stasiland in 1984 at another time.